Good day, this is Shane Hastie for the InfoQ Culture Podcast. I'm at the Agile India Conference, and as you can hear, we're sitting down in the glorious gardens of the Taj Hotel, and I'm privileged to sit here with Fred George. Fred, welcome. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. Thank you. It's nice to be here in Bangalore with great weather. (laughs) Yeah, and it's really good to meet you in person. I've followed your work over the years. You're known for IoT microservices and you're bringing a lot of new stuff into that space. But when we were chatting earlier, you wanted to specifically talk about fuzzy problems. Yeah, so so one of the things that I've sort of done in my entire career is sort of be on the bleeding edge of how to do new problems. So that's mm-hmm. that's what I find fascinating. Once you solve it, I want to go find a new hard problem. Cool. So there's this new class of problems I would typically call fuzzy. They're the ones that are actually making the real money in the industry at this point. Mm-hmm. By fuzzy, I mean they don't have precise answers. Right. It's not, in other words, I can't. Your bank account has a precise answer. We know how mm-hmm. to do that. Yeah, we figured that out a long time yeah, ago. We can make an airline reservation. That has a precise answer. Um, mm-hmm. But the things like, should I loan you money? Is this a fraudulent transaction? What book do you want to read next? What can I do to entice you to actually buy this thing? What sort of sweeteners do I need? Mm-hmm. And as much as you'd like to know exactly what's going to work, you don't. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found these problems sort of are very difficult to solve with traditional technologies. So back in the beginning, sort of the agile age around the, the new millennium, uh, I sort of treat these problems as problems you can't solve because mm-hmm. they're just too fuzzy. But I now think we have the technology and some techniques to make that work. And so I now think these are feasible, but uh, Mm -hmm. problems to solve. What has happened in terms of the technology that makes them feasible? And what is the hairy part of it? What's the hard part? I think the difficulty was sort of getting your head around that that does not have a precise answer. Mm -hmm. Because traditionally, organizations are about, you know, some requirements. Let's have Mm -hmm. somebody tell you how to do this. And, And what we found with these sort of fuzzy problems is, uh, nobody knows what the answer is. Yeah. In fact, we kind of had to tell the story about what's the difference between a business analyst and a used car salesman. And the answer is, a used car salesman knows he's lying. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is true. And so when a customer says, oh, this is how you're going to find a fraudulent transaction, I'm like, I say yes, not in my head, but my real answer is, you have no idea, I have no idea, yeah. we're going to figure it out on our own. Yeah, because the characteristics of a fraudulent transaction are incredibly, to use your term, fuzzy. Yes. And so it turns out for traditional problems, it's all about let's, let's put some requirements down, let's break into stories, let's have some backlogs, let's schedule these things, let's have iterations. And that works very well when you know what you're trying to do, mm-hmm. what you're trying to accomplish. And you have good answer. You write an acceptance mm-hmm. test because it makes sense. Thinking of something like the Kinevan model, you're up in maybe in the complicated space. You know where you're going. Space. Yep. And again, that's the problem we're very good at solving now. And if we have technology to solve that very well. Mm-hmm. And, and frankly, mm-hmm. even a waterfall process solves those problems. Yeah. It just uh, takes too long. But we, we do it a little bit better, but it worked. Mm-hmm. And we built a lot of systems with that. Mm-hmm. But you get to these fuzzy things, and you take that same organization with that same thinking. And it's like, well, where's my backlog? What's my, where's my backlog? And how do I measure success? And why didn't why didn't you make money when you put this requirement in place? And, and so you get incredibly frustrated because in certainly going back to the Kinevin model, the complicated, it's the world of the experts. Yeah. You hire yeah. the expert, he fixes the problem. Yeah. But you move into the complex segment, there is no expert. Yeah. yeah. But if an organization is used to having experts, then you hire the expert, and when he doesn't work out, you fire him, hire another guy who says he's the expert. Mm-hmm. Eventually you get tired, you must be the manager's fault, you fire the manager because mm-hmm. he can't get the job done. 
and it's none of their fault. It's just mm -hmm. the nature of the problem. You can't write an acceptance test because, yeah, she can test how your code says you'll find a fraudulent transaction, yeah. but that would be, be the right answer. Mm. And so you, you move into a whole different world where the rules are different. The rules are how fast can I try ideas out? Mm -hmm. And so competitive advantage accrues to fast delivery. And so I, that's kind of led to the emergence of a lot of new technologies that we're using. I mean, cloud computing is able to, to do things aggressively. Uh, we now have container architectures that make it even faster for deployments and being able to try things out. We've gotten to decoupled architectures with you know, event buses and the like uh, and microservices. Mm -hmm. And so the whole idea is how fast can I try an idea out? And, mm -hmm. and so competitive advantage accrues to that sort of thing. Mm. Uh, the other phenomenon you see is in more traditional stuff, you have these very specialized roles yeah. because we want to make sure we are optimizing our resources. Mm -hmm. But when you're after speed as your optimization, mm -hmm. the most efficient communication you and I can have is one that doesn't have to occur. Because I can do the front end and the back end. Mm -hmm. I understand yeah. how to deployment and run a query. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And the more I can do these things by myself, the faster I can try my ideas out. Mm -hmm. So we're moving to teams of one? Uh, pretty much. I mean, when I was working in this in London at a startup, we got to the point where we were deploying new, new code in production every three and a half minutes. And the average project size team was one. And the average project duration was four hours. Wow. Now, now mm -hmm. you don't put together a project plan for that and have a kickoff meeting yeah. and, uh, and, and put yourself a backlog together for this mm -hmm. four hour project. You work entirely differently. So who starts the project? Well, is it, let's stop calling it a project because Right. At, projects, at, that, at that size, it's not a project. It's, right. it's just and, do something. And to some degree, the process has to change. So, yeah. you know, almost all our agile processes are centered around the concept of a story. Yeah. And that's our interaction with our customer. And we carve stories into tasks. And so that works really well for the traditional and, again, kind of model the complicated problems. Mm. But when we're trying to solve in, these, in this complex world, the role of the customer has changed. Yeah. The role of the customer becomes educating the programmers in the problem. So don't tell me what, what, what I should do next. Tell me what, what the problem is I'm trying to solve. Yep. Tell me what the KPIs are, the key performance indicators. What does success mean? Is it page retention time? Is it new logins? Whatever it is, you know, tell me what that is. And then, frankly, get out of hell and get mm -hmm. out of my way. Because mm -hmm. I'm a programmer. Here's the problem. I can try to solve it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to come up with an idea. It may not work, but how fast can I try that idea and figure, figure mm -hmm. that out? So we're moving into a world where experimentation is basically the raison d'etre. That's the mm -hmm. way we have mm -hmm. to work. So the, this is a very different skill set for, for people. It's a very different mindset for organizations. And mindset for the individuals. Because the guy who says, I'm a database expert, not very efficient in this process. Yeah. What's he, how's he participating in a four-hour process? Uh, yeah. You're going to ask him to make a database change? No, I'm going to make the database change myself. Yeah. And so you're, you're building architectures that are radically different. You're building mm -hmm. very, very decoupled architectures and, and, and then tell the architect to start writing code because mm -hmm. he has no role after that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, the processes wind up differently, uh, the organizational issues, the, the concept of a project office to control these things is gone. Mm -hmm. The role of the business analyst becomes educate me. In fact, I'm not sure I need the business analyst. Yeah. I need the, the expert in the domain, wherever mm -hmm. that source is. Mm -hmm. Come teach me your domain. Yeah, so we're, we're disintermediating all over the place. And to some degree, we've seen snippets of this for many, many years. Yeah. Um, and the banks of day traders work this way. They're doing this thing very fast. So whatever the day trader needs, frankly, that's always been a complex domain. Um, and if you go to some of these big banks, the IT guys are extremely frustrated with these 
whatever the thing is. So they will use different languages. They'll use different processes. They'll break the rules knowing that the day trader is the guy who decides their bonuses, not the IT guys. So we've, we've seen this in, in pockets. But, you know, there's more and more of these applications out there. So for a lot of people, this sounds like a, 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 I'm going to use one of your terms, anarchy. It is anarchy. It's definitely anarchy. Um, because, again, uh, with smaller team sizes, the question is, what's the role of the QA? Well, I'm testing my own code. Thank you very much. I'm not going to hand it off to a third party. Uh, in fact, we, we've got our systems to be sort of self-diagnosing. Uh, we want to put the, you know, if anything, an acceptance tests are built into monitoring of the active system uh, rather than, than second, second-hand stuff. Uh, so you see it from a process perspective. You see it from the organization perspective. That, again, project office useless. Business analyst useless. QA useless. Scrum masters useless. And it's all about you know almost empowering the programmers to go keep trying things. From an organization perspective, we have to expect failures. In a large degree, you know, and I've had a fortune of working sort of working in these fuzzy domains for almost a decade now. And a lot of my role is when we try something and it doesn't work. You know, the owner of the project will come say, you know, we, we should have some more meetings. We should have talked about this more and be more rigorous. And my job is to tell them to shut up. <laughs> uh, we're not going to slow down. In fact, anything, we're going to figure out how to go faster so we can try mm -hmm. these ideas even more aggressively. Yep. And if he wants to ignore me, we'll go find a managing director. He'll tell him to shut up. Mm -hmm. We know competitive advantage accrues to speed, not perfect perfection. Yep. I think it's Jeff Bezos that says, we aim to make mistakes faster than anyone else. Yes. And I think that's kind of, you know, you look at some of these, you know, large Silicon Valley companies, that is kind of their business model. You look at a Facebook, you know, what is, what is Facebook other than, what's, what's the right next function? They have no idea, so they try things. Mm -hmm. And when they make a really horrible mistake, we see it in the trade press, and they fix it. They're not avoiding that thing just because it may fail. They're, mm -hmm. they're perfectly happy to have the failures and take the stones with it. Mm -hmm. How does this anarchy still remain ethical? I'm not sure. It depends on what you're trying to accomplish. If, if, the, if we're aligned with your company's business goals, mm -hmm. I think everything we're doing is quite ethical at that mm -hmm. level. Mm -hmm. When I say anarchy is more or less the more traditional definition of anarchy, we're organized from within. Mm -hmm. We're figuring out what we want to do. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's taking the, the agile ideas of self-organizing teams, cross-functional teams, and putting them on steroids. Yes. Self-organizing cross-functional individuals. Yeah, and to some degree, we still believe in sort of the agile values. You know, we yeah. believe in feedback. We believe in communication. We believe in simplicity. We believe in, in courage. We believe in respect. So all those things are true. But the practices associated with that are, mm -hmm. are radically different. Yeah. I'm not running a retrospective every two weeks. Mm -hmm. If I want to try something different, I'm going to do it today. I'm not mm -hmm. going to wait two weeks to have a discussion about it. Yeah. I'm not going to be running you know, all sorts of acceptance tests and mm -hmm. formality around that stuff. I'm not mm -hmm. collecting collective code ownership necessarily. Mm -hmm. I'm not forcing you into pairing and, and unit testing just because I may make a mistake. We're, we're willing to make the mistakes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you see a lot of the quote, traditional agile practices are inappropriate when you're solving these complex or fuzzy problems. Mm -hmm. And most organizations, especially the ones that have formalized agile more or less, are struggling with how to solve these fuzzy problems. Yeah, because they've only just figured out that agile somehow seemed to be better than whatever process they used before. But that fits, again, in the Kinevan model, up on the top right in the complicated. Yes. And the whole world is shifting to complex. 
Well, I think all the money is in complex. Uh, we yeah. still need to make sure you get your, your paycheck at the right time. And, yeah. and, and, and the, there's a need to rewrite and, and upgrade some of these systems. Mm-hmm. But if you're making real money, it's on a better recommendation engine. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And what's happening down in the bottom left-hand corner of Kinevin in the chaos space? I think it's no different. I have to treat it no differently than the complex at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it's certainly more, more cowboys, more failures. You really have no idea what's going on. But I, you know, I struggle to find a different way of working in that segment than I do in, in complicated, this, mm-hmm. a complex at this point. That's kind of how it felt to me when you were describing it. I, I just wanted to make sure there wasn't some insight that you had found that I that wasn't there yet. No, uh, you, know, you know, I would say complex probably would be something like Google AdWords, where yeah. you can put a term out there and it's successful, and then I can sort of go figure out why it was successful. I can go back mm-hmm. and study it enough. Mm-hmm. Again, not a predictor of the future. Yeah. But I can at least find out why I made money on, mm-hmm. on it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, complex, you don't even have the concept of what cause and effect is anymore. Yeah. Oh, and uh, chaos, yeah. We're saying chaos, yes. Yeah. Uh, again, I, I would just say from an organization perspective, most organizations have a, a mix of these traditional and fuzzy problems yeah. they're working with. And I think one of the important things to do, and I'm seeing some of the leading edge clients do this, is to segregate your teams accordingly okay. and put different processes in place. Mm-hmm. I'm doing a presentation in a few months at the in Austin, which I'm going to talk about agile schizophrenia. Mm-hmm. Which says, you know, if you're doing agile the same way in all your teams, you're probably not doing agile anymore. Yeah, uh, you need to adapt it to the sort of problem yeah. you're trying to solve, and, yeah. and start from the problem you're trying to solve. Yeah, and, and look at it. But that's been the message right from the beginning of, of truly inspect and adapt, and then we hit the frameworks. We hit the frameworks. So we hit some certifications, and, and there's a tendency for companies to want to try to lock these things in to feel safe. Yeah. yeah. But in fact, they're actually locking themselves out of markets mm-hmm. when they sort of do that. Yeah. I mean, agile is called agile. It's. Yeah. And I've always right. said, if if your agile iteration length is the same this year as it was last year, you're not agile anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, if your agile process is written down, it's not agile anymore. Yeah. If you got a document, for goodness sakes, that's a little suspicious in terms of still being agile. Mm-hmm. But you certainly want to have different agile for different parts of your organization mm-hmm. and segregate accordingly. That's the, the other thing about it, and it's been part of the industry for forever, is constantly learning. So what we are saying here, what I'm hearing here, is you've got to be learning a lot more and quite quickly. Yeah, but, but to some degree, you're quite effective if you're competent in multiple technologies. You don't have to yeah. be the expert. You don't have to be the sort of the tea guy that's the, the wizard of this stuff. doesn't hurt to be a wizard in a few of these things, but you're really looking for competence. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I can do some CSS. I can do a little bit of JavaScript. I can mm-hmm. run, write a query successfully. If I can do all these things at a competence level, I know my limits. I know when to mm-hmm. go find the expert. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the time, I'm okay. I'm, I can get mm-hmm. things done every day. And I'm taking advantage of the fact that not having to have these conversations with all these other roles and doing it all myself, the organization is more efficient. If I'm running at you know 5x and you're running at 3x, we're not slowing each other down. Mm. You know, we're running at our natural pace. Mm-hmm. The, so individually, we're quite effective. What about machine learning, AI, that stuff? Where does that fit? I'm not sure. I think it's one of those new technologies that, if anything, is going to give us some hints about you know what the answers to complex problems might be. But to some degree, black boxes are always a little scary because we're not sure how it made that decision. Mm. And certainly a lot of our early AI systems that have been deployed, they give answers, and sometimes the answers are ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And I've seen many clients take these sort of black box solutions and chuck them Mm-hmm. Because it gave you such a silly answer, and the, and the expert says, "Well, I have a better answer than that." Mm-hmm. Now, on, on average, the machine learning gives a much, much better answer. Mm-hmm. But just because it gives you a wrong answer occasionally, it's like I don't trust it anymore. Mm-hmm. 
why did you give a discount to that person? I mean, that makes no sense whatsoever. Mm-hmm. So I, I think to some degree there's a impediment to acceptance of these sort of systems. Mm-hmm. But I think over time they're going to win. Mm-hmm. Uh, they just win because they have give better answers. Mm-hmm. And applying those systems to the programming of fuzzy problems. I think that's a, they're, they're going to be very powerful for that. Mm-hmm. The other technology that works really well for these fuzzy problems is you know the serverless stuff. Mm-hmm. Because we're talking about lots of small functions that get invoked in various other ways. This technology is going to line up very nicely with these sorts of problems. Mm-hmm. And it's easy to aggressively deploy new lambdas into mm-hmm. running systems. Mm-hmm. So I think the technology is, is enabling us to attack these problems even better. And it's not surprising because, you know, the, the sort of fuzzy problems are what these, you know, cloud companies are very good at mm. in trying to solve these sort of problems, whether it's, you know, voice recognition systems, mm-hmm. other predictive sort of systems, Google advertising, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Well, Fred, thanks very much for taking the time to talk to us. Really interesting and really appreciate it. Well, quite welcome. And good luck in your careers moving to these various segments. Thank you. Thank you.